Welcome to the Bridge to Branches podcast. You and your entirety are welcome here, no matter who you are, where you're from, or what you've been through. On the Bridge to Branches podcast, we believe every mental health experience is valid and has power. If you are tending to your mental health, you are smart and brave. If life is a tree, mental health is the bridge from the roots to the branches, connecting where we've been and what we've been through to its impact on the world, spanning outwards. Mental health is the bridge to your destiny in this world. Join us in talking about it. Hi folks, our names are Alex and Arielle, and we're the hosts of the Bridge to Branches podcast. Welcome to our synthesis episode, which means we are weaving all the pieces together from season one. We both have nuanced experiences with our mental health, and we both have stories that have been significant to us and have shared them on this podcast. Our experiences have been life-altering, and sharing them has been really healing. We would like to note that we are using this podcast to provide you, the individual, the opportunity to share in a public way and contribute to each of your own healing processes, and through that, the healing of the whole. We are committed to using this platform as responsibly as possible and to elevate voices that have not been heard. We invite you to use your own personal power and share your truth. We can all become more aware and live more consciously as a result. We appreciate you taking the time and care to listen to our synthesis episode. We hope you enjoy our synthesis. Thank you for being with us through season one. May this project serve your mental health processes and inspire you on your healing journey. If your mind is clear, true knowledge is already yours. When you listen to our teachings with a pure, clear mind, you can accept it as if you were hearing something which you already knew. This is called emptiness, or omnipotent self, or knowing everything. From Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind by Suzuki Roshi. Hi everyone, thanks for being here. My name is Alex. I'm a co-host and co-creator of the Bridge to Branches podcast and my personal pronouns are she, her, and hers. And my name is Arielle, and I'm also a co-creator and co-host of the Bridge to Branches podcast, and I use the pronouns she, her, hers as well. So um, these first episodes we had, there was a lot covered. How are you feeling about yours, Ari? So it's been a really extraordinary process just being involved with this project from the beginning. I feel like there's so much, like we have the episodes that we release, but there's so much behind the scenes or like beneath the surface of these episodes that 
I feel really grateful to have the opportunity to participate in this project. And I feel like I've learned a lot um, about myself and also about other people. But sharing my own story, like my story is on episode two, and it was very difficult for me to do the interview like with you originally. Mm-hmm. I remember I was like very excited to do it. And also, even when I was telling the story on the day when we did the interview, it was like the first time I think I had shared some of those details. Mm-hmm. And also in such a cohesive narrative way. So I feel really grateful to kind of just like write those details, you know, into into existence in that way where I just wrote the story like that day by just telling it. Right. Um, because it's all happened in my past, but, and I've told it like in fragmented ways to different people, like especially my therapists over time, um, or like different groups or different individuals, but it just felt really good to connect it all and just tell the story over the course of like the time that you gave me, which was like an hour, you know? So I definitely found it really healing for that reason, because I think there was pieces of the story that I myself hadn't even like connected. So for that reason, it kind of just felt like it organized the story in my own mind in a way where it feel, it feels like now there's a, just a greater degree of almost like completion, which I know like my past will always be a part of my present and my future. You know, it's just, it feels like by completion, I just mean I'm really trying to get closure on what has occurred in my life. I think that's like the word I would use in addition to completion is it just felt very much like there was a closing piece to it by just telling it and kind of like writing it, you know, orally writing it into this frame that we've designed, which is just like these interviews that we're doing. Um, I think it really gives people the opportunity to just like see at least for me, I'll just speak from my own experience, it gave me the opportunity to see my experience as like something that is whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear that. Like you, by putting it into being kind of out in the world and like speaking it into existence, it almost becomes free. Do you relate to that? Like that, that was my experience. Um, yeah definitely I mean I'm glad you used that word because and even the whole time I was like working behind the scenes to help produce my episode in terms of like the editing I was thinking a lot about just that word release like when you release something on the air or like on a podcast or that you produce I was really connecting to that word release and just the experience of release because I was really feeling like there's something that there's bits and pieces of something I think that needed to be released. And so when I was able to like cohesively and comprehensively put it together into one storyline, and I'm just thinking about like this hour time frame, which feels so just conclusive. It just feels like there is a lot of pain like that has actually occurred in my life that you can't really pack the full experience into an hour, of course. course, (laughs) But like, I think I, and I also know where I'm at on my journey, so I think it kind of has to be like when you're ready to tell your story, this experience of telling it 
you know, sharing it, having it be received by someone in a way where it's just like your walls are down and you're receiving it without judgment, without trying to like direct you, control you, medicate you or like right. change your experience, but actually just allow for your experience. That for me was a big component of my recovery that I think was missing. And I look forward to like more of what this will be like in the future, like more of the idea of like just to tell your story, how impactful that can be. Totally, totally. And how freeing, like you said, freeing, because I did feel like, yeah, there's a lot of things that happened that are, that I could have been, that I have been ashamed about, but just to like share, um, it just felt like that part felt freeing. Right. Yeah, there's like an element of like, like I know as a writer, like when I put writing out into the world, I'm not attached to it, so I can't explain everything that I wrote, the nuances, the the, the intended metaphors, all these things. So it's like, it was, I've never had this experience with the podcast where I like, and my voice and my story or parts of my story. Cause my, in my episode, I didn't tell my entire mental health journey because I was also explaining, um, the podcast itself and the, the idea for the podcast and all that. But, uh, yeah, I am not with my story as it's out there in the world explaining to people. I'm not out there meeting people as I explain things to them. So it's just like it has to stand alone. And so you want to try to explain yourself in a way. You want to try to get as much out there so people can understand. It's like so people don't think you're crazy. But, like, we're here on a mental health podcast. Like, we've had mental health experiences and issues, so to speak. So people, there are going to be people out there who think that we're crazy. And that's just part of what we're trying to destigmatize when it comes down to it, I think, is by talking about that. So people, you know, recognize that we all have these experiences that we do. Um, and it is freeing to, I think, to, to share your story and have it be received even by yourself in some way. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And... I feel like that's been a big part of my journey towards just being okay with like internally being okay with my story and like what has it, what I've experienced or like what I've been through or what I've created as my experience and my reality. And I feel like as a person now, like entering the professional mental health field, I feel like I did hit some internal walls like with my episode about the idea of being so transparent and like of course I didn't say like everything that has happened in my life but even as a therapist I think there's always like a degree of privacy that you keep okay. professionally and the thing is it's like every person has had experiences in their lives you know everybody has had things that they've chosen to do that have affected that have brought us to exactly where we are in this moment so like when we have mental health experiences like we're working to heal them and we're working to heal whatever you know past blunders we've chosen or encountered or found ourselves in and how can anyone really fault a person for that you know for like having a past like and for having experiences like that's what life is life is meant to be experienced in this body so yeah, well, we have, we have a lot of thoughts, like, as people. We just are always, you know, we're not really trying to, like, judge one another or think things about each other. But, like, we're, we are. We are all doing it. We're always right. doing it. So a big part of my 
I think my healing or recovery that has occurred, like a few things happened in a row, but giving this interview was definitely one of um, like a major milestone for me in 2020. And a big part of my process that's followed that I've noticed that's shifted in me, like that's been a change, is that I just focus on dispelling my own inclination to follow my thoughts about what other people are thinking about me. Or it's like, if I think of something like, oh, people are definitely thinking this right now about me. In my past, I would just always follow those thought roads. And then I would just continue to create, and really with that person in a way, co-create the reality of whatever it is I think that they think I have going on. Like, I'll use the word psychosis for myself because that was one of my diagnoses. So feeling crazy or like thinking that other people are thinking that I'm crazy, it is really like a feeling. Like I had that one day I had this experience where I was like, wow, the feeling of craziness, I feel crazy. Is it a feeling? It's like this feeling of like other people, it's like very social in a way where I'm like, I'm thinking about what other people are thinking about me. And then I have this feeling like I feel crazy. So there's just like this component to it. That's just so like abstract. Right. And so I just started focusing on seeing those thoughts. Like it's, it is like earlier today when we were talking, you use the word mindfulness. So I feel like that's a big part of it for me now is coming into like clarity around my experience in the present and not, and being mindful of like my thoughts and where they would take me or my thoughts about what other people are thinking about me. Right. Or at least what I think that they are. Yeah. Like what I perceive, um, and just not really subscribing to it anymore. So I feel like for that reason, I'm shifting my own internal identity. Yeah. And to bring in mindfulness, I think that mindfulness is like having an awareness of those experiences that especially feel like they are not quite aligned with conventional reality Mm -hmm. and noticing, but noticing all of it, you know, I think it's just like bringing awareness to what's going on around you and what your inner experience is as well in conjunction with your outer experience. I mean, let's be honest though, like the, the word crazy, I think is just an experience of being something other than what we are in conventional reality. And so it's like, when we are experiencing that, like is that really all bad? Because what is conventional reality? Is that working for, for all the people? Like, not really. So I think that my own experience with feeling crazy is like, yeah, it can be disconcerting and it can also be kind of freeing. It can be something that ultimately can bring me to have, to have a sense of the fact that I am unique in some sense. And I think that that is a really positive thing. Yeah, and I love that you used the word notice, and I wanted to say, too, because I think people say mindfulness or, like, have an understanding of different things to do with that word, and I feel like the way that I'm experiencing life lately is more just, like, in a mindful way rather than thinking too deeply or intricately about a mindfulness practice that's very specific, like meditation or something. I'm just more about what you said like noticing I think coming into contact with what we're noticing about our own thoughts is a very it's just a a level of awareness it's just a level of noticing and for me that's what mindfulness is becoming it's just like a way of living really where I just want to move through my moments in the day in this mindful way and it's it's really like an exploration of all that's possible in the moment 
because it's like, yes, this is possible. It's possible that they're thinking that. It's possible that I'm doing this that's like unconventional to a degree that like it's disruptive in society or it's possible that people are disrupted by it or I think that they are. Like so many possibilities in a moment. So to just be, to just steer, to just be guided by mindfulness, by being mindful of all those things, it really just opens us up to clarity in the present moment where I can just be present like I can see them all and also not really like follow any of them down any path yes just be present totally it's like how do I observe everything that's happening right now without getting sucked into it and wrapped up and like thrown about and really like thrown off off kilter or whatever you want to call it and how do I how do I stay steady with what's going on around me like again internally and externally Absolutely, just like unshakable in the moment and just like almost like all these possible things that are coming at us in thought forms, we just kind of like ward them off. What's the word I'm looking for? Like we, we as if we're like shielded and we just like, we see them, but we're not, we're no longer, we're no longer disrupted. disrupted. Yeah. So I was wondering if like, when you gave your episode, if there's anything else that you were thinking about with your experience of it or anything that you left or you feel like was left unsaid or unfinished, because it's just a time frame, of course, like it's just a window of time. So I know for me personally, too, like more things came up following it that I didn't think to say in the moment. But I feel like those things might not have come up if I hadn't just tried to put it into one cohesive narrative originally. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, Well, I know I mentioned in my episode, in episode one, that, um, or in my interview, I should say, that uh, I was diagnosed with both OCD and depression at a very young age. And what came up in a later episode, episode four with Emily, was OCD. And we ended up talking about that quite a bit. And I recognized how much my symptoms adult symptoms of OCD play a part in my life now and how that kind of like is a factor in my daily experience almost to an extent like my thought patterns are I mean might very well be diagnosed as OCD if I took some sort of test I think it's just interesting how different ailments or maladies or whatever you want to call them disorders or diseases or whatever language you use for them all kind of work together and I think that every person would be diagnosed with something if they went into a doctor because everyone has really interesting thought patterns and unique thought patterns, I think, that are unique to them. You know, it's like, what's normal? Like, what what does that even mean? So I guess I would just add that. But I also wanted to mention that I am getting certified as a deaf doula or end-of-life doula, and I didn't really describe what a death doula was in the episode Um, so I wanted to take a moment to describe what a doula is. A doula I heard described as in really really beautiful terms as they hold initiatory periods for folks and offer emotional support during those periods so a birth doula is someone who helps someone who helps a parent who is going to be a new parent into that role as well as their loved ones and then a death doula is someone who is there with a person at the end of their life and helps that person and their loved ones with general emotional support and the needs that they may have 
before they transition out of this life. I think that's so amazing that you're training for death dualism and I just really, I just wanted to comment because I think it's, I, I remember when I first learned when we did your interview and I just think it's a remarkable vision to have for your life. Thank you, Ari. Yeah, so I noticed that like, I think something that I, I don't know if it's exactly unfinished business, but just something that I've noticed that's changed additionally in my life since this happened, or since, I mean, since I gave my story, was I feel a lot more embracing of the word psychosis, particularly. That's just like a word that, it hasn't taken up too much of my life's experience. Like it was a small diagnosis that I had in conjunction with another one. But I would never really like openly really ever share. And I had a, like a lot of fear around ever identifying with that word to anyone else. Um, once I find out once I found out personally that that was like my official diagnosis or one of them. So but I have noticed that since I gave my story on this podcast, I feel like where that word was like weakening my like the foundation of my life because I'm like oh I could be out and about during my day and like living my whole life but if someone says the word psychosis or finds this out or um, uses the word crazy around me um, I might just get totally just thrown off my square just like totally knocked off course Um, and now I feel like I'm not affected like in the same way. Um, I feel like I've just did a deep dive into all the, or at least as much as I possibly can at this point, like all the truths about what has actually happened throughout my life. Mm -hmm. So I feel much more indestructible now because I don't feel the same fear around the idea of this word or that someone else might hear it in association with me. And I notice like, like I know you mentioned Buddhism, I'm Buddhism is a big part of my life too, and I have a Buddhism community. Well, we're both in it, the SGI, the Soka Gakkai International. I gave my experience to this community kind of like a little bit similarly. Like I gave some details about my experience of my past, but not as in depth, of course, it was five minutes, not an right, hour. Right, yeah. But um, I noticed even then, I was unwilling to use certain terms, and I still feel very committed to the idea of just almost like a delabeling, like an internal delabeling. And so I think I had to go deeply into, I fully embrace this label to kind of just go through it instead of like, instead of fearfully like being unable to even go anywhere near it or acknowledge it as a part of my past. um, I just feel like I fully I fully embraced it and now I feel free of it before I was feeling like it was a threat to me at any moment and now that I I moved through that experience giving it at our community center giving this story they were very close together that's why I kind of correlate them in my mind right. those two stories but giving it on this episode I've just noticed and this is now like a few months really since I did my interview so I feel like I did a lot of more incorporation since I even gave my story to you. And I've grown a lot since then, like almost like I've grown and incorporated it into my growth. So it's actually become a part of me now and it's, it kind of strengthens me now. 
I kind of like, I guess even thinking about trees, because we use so much tree imagery in this, in this concept, in this mm-hmm. project, like I feel like it's something that came into like, into my life and made it stronger. That's beautiful. That's awesome. I love the, the metaphor there. Like the tree, like being like a, something that strengthens you. Like that's really profound. And you and I had through this podcast an interesting initial experience. And I know that my, that first interview, my interview, that first episode was kind of lingering out there in the world for about, was it three weeks? Mm-hmm. Maybe four weeks by itself before we added your interview to it. Mm-hmm. And because we were struggling with the technical side of things. Um, and I remember during that period feeling so exposed. Like my episode was just like out there in the world and there weren't any other episodes to back it up or other, other people like sharing their experiences. Um, and that period of time was really important in a way for my own healing journey. Like I, you and I were talking earlier today in this park where we're sitting right now, um, just about um, the time needed to kind of heal. Sometimes you need some space within something to sit with the discomfort like if it's a trigger or whatever it is, an annoyance and irritation and kind of just sit with it. And eventually the longer you sit with it, it kind of gets wider and wider and then eventually it dissipates and goes elsewhere. Um, And that's kind of what happened with me during that period of time where I was waiting for the next episode or we were Mm -hmm. both waiting, you know, for for your episode to be posted. So I was so glad and thankful when it finally was posted um, and released and you and I had that experience together. Yeah. Something that I was just thinking about when you were talking is just like my appreciation for the opportunity to just try to talk about my experiences because I realized like a lot of my journey since like what initially has happened in my life has been this perpetuated feeling of I'm not making sense like I'm not making sense to myself. Oh, I'm not making that. sense to other people. Right. And it's I would bring in the word disconnection and like fragmentation. And that's what I feel like even my healing or my recovery, which is a word that I'm feeling really connected to today, my recovery has been fragmented. And I haven't really, by that I just mean like a lot of like my deepest, most scariest thoughts that I had or most angry or most fearful, I... I have, I had a therapist and I would tell her a lot of things um, and not really like be trying to share about my experience in other places in my life. So I do think that like I did a lot of profound healing in my therapy that was contributing positively to like my other areas of life, like other friendships or dynamics I was forming or family. but. At the same time, like, I wasn't trying to connect the dots with my words for people. I was more just, like, kind of hiding. Like, kind of, like, hiding in plain sight because I was, like, just trying to go through my day-to-day. Like, everything. once I started kind of getting back into a job and, like, I took some classes, like, at the beginning of my recovery from my original psychosis, 
and then like once a, a few years passed really I started to like re like kind of get back into life like a swing like a life kind of like I would get a job and take classes but I was still um not just like openly talking about my experience I was more just like trying to show up in my daily life as if everything was fine right so I think like having I just noticed like even in our conversation now today I'm noticing like this really deep habituated tendency that I I think I've just like ingrained into my life which is like I'm going to start a sentence and then it doesn't really I'm perceiving that it doesn't make sense to someone so I'll just kind of trail off into like this place that I really think contributed to like perpetuating this experience for years now because I'm like I'm not really gonna try to finish this like and make a complete comprehensive like just to complete this thought because I can tell that I'm not making sense and that's one of like for me that was one of the most isolating and just like saddest places to be is like I can't connect I can't form the connection with my words mm. like understanding and I feel like understanding is just something that so I mean for me I, I would become fearful like oh no I'm not making sense I can see that and that's because like something is so severely wrong with my mind instead of thinking this is a really deep experience and it's difficult for me to describe it in a way that would be something that you the other would understand right but right. if we take the time of course like we can always arrive it's like it could take you a day to try to understand one thought or one idea from one person if you were really determined to understand one another we can always arrive at it we just we don't really we don't it's not just that we don't take the time it's like we don't make the time we don't it's not really like in our daily lives we are like trying to complete with one another like take all the way take it take a moment all the way to understanding right it's not necessary like we kind of move at this pace that we've established in our society it's interesting now because we're in an upside down world in our society where everything is like we're it's a i think we're kind of getting a glimpse of what it, there could be like what could it, life could be like if we could take the, the the actual spaciousness that's required to actually connect as human beings you're referring to because of the pandemic like the yeah. slowed down pace totally. yeah yeah and just to weave in kind of um subsequent episodes we did i know that in um my interview with kevin in episode um six i believe kevin and i talked about how vulnerability happens when there's community and there's so there's mm -hmm. such a lack of community and communication is the other the other facet that's really lacking in terms of communication around mental health and how healing occurs we're taught that we can't be in our bodies and we can't trust them so there's shame that occurs and I think that that part is really it just makes a lot of sense and relates to what you're saying I, I don't I don't want to put words in your mouth but maybe there was some shame that occurred and like not having language for those experiences that you were going through I know that I've experienced that definitely the shame is a big piece and I think like I was just imagining like this force that's moving like just even words itself or a sentence itself and then all these things are flying at it to 
prevent this force from achieving like its destination like it's like a train that's trying to reach a location right. where it's like any by like these things that are flying at us I mean like thoughts where I'm like okay I'm speaking I'm speaking and then this is just my experience where I would be thinking while I'm speaking about what other people are thinking right. and I would just become totally derailed right. and just like then of course I'm off course because I'm like well I already know what they're thinking so I'm not even gonna try but that's actually like creating the reality where I'm unable to just like create a comprehensive sentence yeah like yeah. a whole a whole a whole idea a full idea well then if you think that they're judging you based on your mental health that's like a whole a big thing um so we have all these different factors that are coming in that's like prohibiting you and preventing you from speaking clearly what you want your your listener to really know you're right and it's really all coming from inside of me like it's all coming from us individually like inside of our own minds because I really don't know what anyone is thinking or if they're even thinking anything at all about me in that moment or maybe nothing at all it's like you might as well just like speak as speak what you can I think yeah and just try to be like the full expression of what we actually are in a moment without getting so defeated or discouraged you know so knocked off course so like I'm like I keep thinking about this word dispel lately where I'm just seeing these like thought forms come at me like they always do my whole life but I'm 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 kind of seeing it as like that's part of my magic is that like I'm dispelling these instead of letting them in and like abiding to them yeah and subscribing to them like I said earlier and then creating a reality that's based on them I relate to that I relate to that because I have these thoughts of things that might happen if I don't do something. Like, I have just, like, an intricate way of thinking about, like, my day-to-day. It's just, you know, I've, it's been just, it's been diagnosed as OCD, as um, in episode four was talked about. I could just, I could just integrate those, those thoughts into my life and accept them accept that this is the way I think and not try to like fight them and like medicate them I don't really medicate or self-medicate for these symptoms but you know I in the past I would drink and I would use other substances to try to quiet these these certain thoughts that I would have and the way of thinking that I would have and it's like well I can't I mean not always there's racing thoughts and there's paranoid thinking and there's delusions and there's all sorts of stuff that we don't want in our lives that don't feel good to us at all but in terms of just like the nuanced ways of going about like our day-to-day and thinking like is there a way to just integrate those into our level of acceptance that we have for ourselves I feel like it's so essential that we do yeah and I feel like the talking piece is eventually like I think people might arrive at a place where you're just really feeling that type of closure where you're like I don't need to maybe this isn't something I need to keep talking about but in the meantime if we have a trauma or some type of an experience in our past that we feel like connecting it would create a sense of closure or healing for us I think having these types of like conversations is so it's so significant and it's just really impactful definitely I mean having community and having communication around these things is I think it's vital um like the vulnerability piece that you brought in 
with one of our episodes, just like the idea that we'll be able to speak about something without being really too scared, like I'm going to say the wrong thing, or this isn't right for this place, or these people, or this will be thought if I said this, so I can't say it, but then it gets, it stays inside of us, it kind of starts to get kind of clogged, like we kind of like, oh no, I can't, I can coexist in this environment, but I can't say this here, or this, or that's not, there's just not the space or the time, so I feel like there's just a, I'm, I'm always kind of thinking about the idea of recovery community because we have recovery community in other areas you know like such as substance like addiction and just like the actual group group process of like being in this reciprocity where like I say something in vulnerability and it's received by a group and it's not judged it's not taken you know and reported somewhere it's just like this needs to just be spoken it's just to like pull it out of me, you know, received by a group and then together we can just move forward from there and connected. It's connected. Definitely. You mentioned trauma and I, I wanted to mention a a point that came up in episode three with Jacob, um, seeing schizophrenia is sacred. Um, he talks about how trauma can be created during psychosis. Like when you and I were talking about this earlier, this in the day today before we recorded that we're recording this episode mm-hmm. um but how you can actually be having a psychotic experience and experiencing trauma because of it even though it's all in your head right like so I mean trauma is going to be like individual to each person and I think that through psychosis Jacob in that episode in episode three really explained very well how he experienced trauma through his his experience of quote-unquote schizophrenia which he refers to as sacred phrenia mm-hmm. um I think that it's so remarkable that we found him and that we're able to interview him I just love his concept and the way that he's transmuted what was was which was what I originally think was his diagnosis is schizophrenia. Yeah. So I just think, you know, having the opportunity to encounter someone like him is remarkable, like on this project, because just getting to learn his story and then learn about how he's taken his diagnosis out into the world. Yeah. With this company called Sacred Frenia. Right, right, right. Which is a, it's an actual program he's running, but it's also like a philosophical transmutation of his diagnosis. Yeah, definitely. I love how he talks about how mental illness might not do justice to what people are actually experiencing as a malady. He calls his experiences biopsychospiritual, um, these states of mental breakdown, and they're not just mental. Um, they're, you know, they're often caused by metaphysical or spiritual elements too. And this ties into my interview with Kevin in episode six and how he talks about you can't just have a spiritual guide or a, a monk or a, you know, a, a religious leader of some sort. You have to have an actual therapist because they do quite different things. You know, there's, there's the mental health and there's the spiritual health. And if you, you can't have, you know, it's like having a plumber try to fix your, your light bulb or something. I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I respect that he said that. And especially coming from the mental health world like more traditionally professionally 
Um, I even wanted to say, like, one thing I learned in school was to do an, an interview style, like intake, which is called a biopsychosocial. Mm. So I love that he's using that biopsychospiritual because it's not even on the radar. Like in a mental, I'm in just school for, I'm in clinical psychology. So we're not really like bringing up, even in the terminology we use, you can already see like the social aspect. Like um, a biopsychosocial is like, it's detailed in different ways, but when we start to think about the interpersonal or social component of mental illness, I think it's kind of interesting and telling that we even use that term biopsychosocial. And he's just adjusted this to say biopsychosocial spiritual right well spiritual isn't given credence you know in a lot of areas which is the way it's the way it's been for a while or things are focused primarily on christianity as if that's the only religion and it's clearly far from it um yeah and i think it's just very fascinating to start to look through the lens of the spirituality or like the spiritual essence to life whatever it is however we would individually interpret that, like whatever type of actualization, whether it's creative or whatever it is that we do to tap into the aspect of life that's not just the tangible right. or the concrete. Right. So, I mean, mindfulness is spiritual. You right. Know, it's like it's being the observer to your experience so you're not just swept away by the experience, but you're able to ground yourself like we were talking about earlier part of what spirituality is to me. Yeah, I agree. It's very personal. It's like a very personal discovery process that I think is like, it's very significant and I look forward to continuing a dialogue about this in general, just seeing a mental unrest through the lens of the spiritual. I think that pretty much every interview we had wove in some aspect of the spiritual. with James's interview, um, Healing by Waking Up to the Gifts Within Pain, episode seven, he talked about how he had a hard time actually defining mental health. And I think it's because he doesn't separate it from any other type of health. Like he just sees everything as one. Um, so I thought that was kind of an interesting perspective that he relates to the mind. He sees the mind as an entity, but it's not separate from spiritual the physical or the emotional and can't separate them how do we feel about episode eight that was phil's episode yeah it was challenging for me this episode leading it by myself or kind of guiding that the interview um and i think that talking about how to be a an effective guide would be a beneficial thing for us to talk about um, how to kind of guide someone from the question to an open-ended space where they can go in any direction, but keeping them within still a container of that question, right? Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that's well said. Yeah, with his episode, I it helped me reflect on you know, he's very strongly opinionated, which I know we talked about. Like, I really appreciate that about him. And just listening to his stance on things. Um, it's very powerful to hear, like, someone give opinions that are strong. And sometimes when we hear opinions that are strong, we don't agree with them. Like, right. we might have, it might actually help us realize where we have opinions that we didn't realize before. 
or we have a stance on something and it just took someone stating their strong stance for us to polish our own stance like against it. But it really helped me reflect on how much I value freedom as just like a quality of life or as a value itself because I was just really determined to like listen through his episode without keeping my filters on and just like my judgments or my biases, whatever it is that I would be thinking or like automatically reacting to or responding to. And I just tried to be really clear when I was listening and just let him be who he is. And I think it's like really brilliant. And I was just really happy to recognize that this project and that would kind of lead us into like what our next direction is for this dialogue, like what our intention is with this project, because I really felt like I'm definitely even in edit, even in editing mode, I'm not here to like edit away people's truths yeah, or like take away like freedom of mind. Yeah. And like, yeah, exactly. Like to take away actually just the opposite. I actually want to contribute to the unlocking of all the things that people think and feel or what they believe, like almost those secrets in our minds that we're afraid to say to people because of what they might think or what they might say. I actually feel like we need to help to contribute to people feeling like they can say them to become free, to become free together. And like, especially with something like mental illness, because a lot of it is like, it might be someone thinking, well, I believe this or I think it, but I'm afraid to admit that. So I'm just going to keep it packed into my mind. And that's going to continue to cause like a, a tangled neurosis at the top of our mind because we're not saying what we're thinking or believing. Right. We're getting, yeah, right. We're getting stuck. And then we're, we might have like, bigger responses down the down the road because we weren't just able to say freely what we're thinking or feeling or believing right what i'd like to do definitely is create a safe container for folks to share about their mental health experiences because i think at that time when that communication is happening about mental health and folks feel like it is a safe place that starts to form a new neural pathway but this is like safe to talk about this and that can be something that's transferred even to society I think little by little is like almost a new neural pathway like a new pathway to travel down in society the recognition that mental health is okay to talk about to discuss it's okay to process it's okay to heal I love that you use the neural pathway as an image because I do feel like just to continuing to look more into the science of it too like when those thought forms can just flow you know, like from wherever they started from outward and we can just continue to take a more truthful form of who we actually are, like in our daily life, that's healing. Like that's just wellness where we can just be ourselves. But when we, when things get stuck because we're afraid, you know, of what it would mean to say this or what others might perceive or think, or at least like, we're, or we're just judging ourselves or what we're judging what others would think, then we're really getting ourselves stuck. And I think like getting those neural pathways flowing is really healthy. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think that offering a platform where we ask open-ended questions is really key um, because people can go in all different directions. Yes, offering the platform and then to see that there's like people basically at work with their brilliance like how can we put our minds to work to actually heal our own minds you know how can we how can we heal ourselves and then in different levels of consciousness too 
Like we're drawing from different places to help ourselves heal, to help ourselves be okay. And then we have like already interviewed people who are like, I'm gonna put this work that I've discovered with myself outward so that I can help other people who may be struggling with the same thing. Totally, it opens the door to another person's mind or another person's experience, I should say, is more accurate. So another person can walk through that door if they have like the tips and tricks of how to how to deal with something that they relate to. But I think that folks will connect with people just sharing their experiences and being open about them and be more willing and more apt to really go there with themselves if they witness it happening with other people that they hear about. Yeah, totally. So I know we wanted to finish up by talking a little bit about our somewhat new direction or at least a new structure for how the interviews will take form in season two. So to be clear, it's very exciting. We are finishing the first season, which now will have 10 episodes. Is that correct? This episode will be episode 10. Cool. Yeah, this, this synthesis will be episode 10. Right, so we'll be like launching a new season, season two. And so Alex and I were talking about just taking in everything we've learned from season one, our experiences, and just developing a a somewhat new structure for the interview styles. So we're really excited. Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, We're bringing in some new opening questions that feel really important and open-ended too so rather than asking at the beginning of each episode what are your preferred pronouns we are going to simply ask who are you it's a question around how you identify what you identify as it could be your personal preferred pronouns your racial identity your ethnicity your astrological signs your enneagram placement etc etc it's a really open-ended question we just want to open the door to a broader sense of who people are, who folks are, what they identify as, and the language that they use. I really love this, and you know, I'm very interested in how people have come to define themselves in terms of their identity, and I think mental, mental pathological labels are something that can very strongly weave into that sense of self-identity. So I think it's a very interesting question to incorporate into a project around mental wellness because when we deeply weave into our identity, our mental illness diagnosis, such as depression, that we take that, we're carrying that all throughout the day, every day, as part of our identity. And so I know that's like, it's a little bit different than what we're asking. We're really just wanting to ask from the beginning, like how people identify themselves and, um, I think that identity is also something that's always in development too. We're like, for a period of our life, we might strongly identify with our mental illness diagnosis and then it might change. This question too really is emphasizing all of the identifying like factors or features like that you just described to really give people just ultimate permission to discuss like who you are and all of your experiences and your experiences of mental illness or anything else, they're all impacted by all the different identity features that make up your life. So. Right, right. And if I see myself through a certain scope and I explain what that scope is, it's gonna make 
my reality a lot more understandable for another person to comprehend and to reach and to really under to really get to yeah totally totally and i love the idea of asking you, you know you the participant or the person being interviewed to define yourself rather than us like asking you direct questions about your identity so that you really get to choose for yourself and like to just assure that everyone has permission to share about through you know the widest scope we can imagine like I like they use that word scope because how do you like in the vastest way want to define yourself without limitations you know without fear of like oh I can talk about my experience but I can't talk about this part of it Um, we want to just make sure that everyone feels safe and that they have permission and accept that they're accepted that you are accepted as the the person being interviewed and the person listening like all is welcome here yeah because there's some things that are really scary to talk about and the same is true of like in our society so I think just giving trying to just like create a platform from the beginning that's so leveled you know it's just so securely foundational that people can just stand upon it strongly knowing that they can just declare their truth here and there won't be a judgment that's coming or there's nothing that is unallowed. And I think we'll also have some questions that are, we'll also have some questions that are much more tailored to the individual and to what their own process is. Um, Those are all sprinkled in and have been in season one, but the interviews are gonna be more intentional with less of the same structure and more of the individualized questions for each person and their experience and I'll just say like generally I think it's been really cool to see our idea about guiding people through you know from their past into the present and then out into the future even with like the branches the the way that they're branching out and I think that that journey that the interviews take people on is is very extraordinary and it's very cool to see and I think like to give people this this time period which again like 45 minutes to an hour like there's a vastness and a depth to our to our lives you know and our beings and who we actually are that I think allowing people permission to throughout the course of this period of time to explore and explain who they are and like what that means it really helps to just like allow for our lives to emerge in like the grand way in the grandest way in the way that they actually are meant to like we need to really give ourselves space to unfold you know in life the way that we live but also just like to explain ourselves you know sometimes i feel like we don't really get the opportunity to come into clarity right um, because we are vast beings and we're we're coming from a deep place and especially if it's like a deep pain that that might take time to like unpack yeah to unpack I just keep seeing this like emergence like we have this like there's this there's a strong there's a strength that's like at the center of our lives that it wants to come forward like it wants to be revealed but we keep it hidden it's secretive we keep things like down but to actually give people the chance to just let themselves emerge and be truthful, you know, that's very, um, it requ- I think it requires trust. And I think it also, we build trust like in the other. And we also 
come to trust ourselves. Like we can like, we can be ourselves, we can share ourselves, we can be our truth and keep discovering it. And it's okay to just keep trying to be the most truthful version of us that we can. Yes. Instead of the alternative, which is like, this isn't allowed, so I'm just going to stop trying to be like the, the fullness of my being. I'll just stop, I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to like cut all myself off and just be like a more limited version of myself because my whole self isn't really allowed. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's doing everyone a disservice by keeping that hidden. And the more we discover about ourselves, the better off the world is. And we hope to just provide folks the understanding that it's cool to be vulnerable. It's cool to put yourself out there. It's cool to heal. It, there's, there's really nothing to be afraid of except your own limitations. And those limitations were put there by someone probably a long time ago or society a long time ago. Um, and it's time to step away from that structure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you get stronger. Like you get stronger as you is you know moving in your own pace and moving into your own vulnerability at your pace. Like you become stronger. Yes. So that's very cool too. Yes. And we're free. Yes. On self knowledge, by Khalil Gibran. And a man said, Speak to us of self-knowledge. And he answered, saying, Your hearts know in silence the secrets of the days and the nights, but your ears thirst for the sound of your heart's knowledge. You would know in words that which you have always known in thought. You would touch with your fingers the naked body of your dreams. And it is well you should. The hidden wellspring of your soul must needs rise and run murmuring to the sea, and the treasure of your infinite depths would be revealed to your eyes. But let there be no scales to weigh your unknown treasure, and seek not the depths of your knowledge with staff or sounding line. For self is a sea, boundless and measureless. Say not, I have found the truth, but rather, I have found a truth. Say not, I have found the path of the soul. Say rather, I have met the soul walking upon my path. For the soul walks upon all paths. The soul walks not upon a line, neither does it grow like a reed. The soul unfolds itself like a lotus of countless petals. Thank you to Ayla Nerio for the use of her beautiful song and to Sherry Gerstenberger for lending us her voice throughout this episode. Thank you to our episode participants, those who have sat with us and those who have yet to. Thank you to our listeners, past and present. Thank you to the places we have been, the lessons we have sown, and the beings we have met that have contributed to our journeys. Thank you to all of life and its sentient nature. We bow deeply to you. With you in spirit as we march onwards. Catch you next time on the Bridge to Branches podcast.